your gender, what's your pronoun? You can be square and also round. We're taking a trip to Gender Town. How's your gender? Let's have a sit down. Hey, everybody. I'm Wesley Flash. I'm an artist, community historian, and the host of How's Your Gender, a podcast where we talk about gender. Yours, mine, and ours. Welcome to the final episode of How's Your Gender, Season 1. I'm excited to introduce you to two very special guests, both of whom happen to be members of my own queer family. Please welcome Ocean Ricardo and Alex Fisher. Alex is Ocean's adopted parent. Today, we're talking about what it's like to be queer and trans in a queer and trans family. Can you both introduce yourselves? So if you could say your name, your pronoun, and how you identify. I'm Alex Fisher. I use they and them pronouns. And I identify as a white, queer, Ashkenazi, Jew, Sicilian, uh, witchy finance nerd and parent. My name is Ocean Ricardo. I am 19 years old. I use he, him, they, them pronouns. I am a trans, non-binary, witchy, Puerto Rican, Black, African-American. I just realized, I don't think I said anything about my gender in my... You you (laughs) didn't. (laughs) Well, I said queer, which is... Do you want to fill in those gaps at all, Fisher? I feel like we will throughout this, but just... I, I identify my gender, I don't know, all of myself as queer. It is an all-encompassing term. Okay, let's start with some really fun questions. Ocean, yes. what is a really stereotypically gendered thing that you love? Oh my gosh. So I, I read that question and I was like, there are so many different things. But I think, I think the number one thing that I do is my nails. Wearing fake nails is always considered feminine. And, you know, everyone always equates my nails to me being a female. And I'm like, well, actually, I'm a queer boy. Um, (laughs) And I just like doing my nails. So, yeah, I think that's the number one thing that I do that's stereotypically gendered. All right, Fisher, what's a stereotypically gendered thing that you love? Uh, okay, I'm going to just try to simply answer it. Of I love cooking a lot. I love being in the kitchen and cooking. I want to... St- like, why is that gendered? Yeah, what's gendered about that for well, you? I, okay, so this is where I was like, ooh, don't... I don't know, maybe we just go there immediately. Yes, which is we are here. I just have a really hard time understanding any concept of, like, masculine, feminine, male. Like, I'm not into it. So I was, I was, I more think in this question, like, what do other people think is gendered and what do they say? You know, and I think also like growing up, my mom cooked pretty much everything. You know, like I grew up mostly with Sicilian Italian cooking and like the kitchen was hers and that was that. And when we hang out with Italian family, it is all the women, like it's a really big deal that my uncle makes pasta visual. A really big patriarchal deal that he 
does this one thing, <laughs> you know? Well, yeah, I feel like in terms of cooking, it's like, it is, it is a gendered thing. It is a gendered like labor of love or something. Yeah. And then there's also ways that it gets divided, right? Where, right. where like the women are in the kitchen doing the main dish, but the men are doing the meat. Mm. Or like, like grilling yeah. is different, yeah. which I don't know how to do. Cooking in the like, the home cooking for the family and also like cooking when people are sick or not feeling well, like that kind of style, like nurturing cooking is something that is very gendered that I do and, or that I like. And also like caretaking, the general caretaking via food, caretaking via let's talk about your feelings, caretaking via like loving care, like consensual touch. Like that to me is like a very, gendered thing that I love. And I think the question is phrased in order to tease out those kinds of things. Putting the word stereotypical into the question lends itself to all kinds of different answers. I also love manual labor. Okay. I'm gonna just throw that out as like, not just female type gendered things are the only things that are gendered. Mm-hmm. But being like, yeah, I love lifting heavy things. That makes a lot of sense with your with your beginning of answer to that question, where you're like, I have a hard time with things that understanding things are masculine or feminine, and I'm like, oh, okay, that sounds pretty trans, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Fair, consistent. <laughs> what color is your gender? That was a very i I journaled about this. I journaled about this. <laughs> and (laughs) my gender is a sparkly black and I I'm not sure why but like when I think about myself and like I guess I guess I would call my aura like sparkly black which I consider my aura and my gender to be connected yeah I just see myself surrounded by like sparkles and darkness and everything is great i think my color i was thinking about this also is do you know that book rainbow fish no Uh, it's like a fish that has all different color iridescent scales so it's not one color and it's not flat it's just like iridescent watery changes color based on where your location is to it Okay, what shape is your gender? Ocean? A diamond. Fisher? I, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. It doesn't have shape? It's amorphous? It's a puppy. That's a shape. Is that a shape? That's a shape. I mean, I'm not sure which breed or like mixed breed, but... General in, puppy. In yeah. general, my gender is... apparently an iridescent puppy and also kind of like squiggly you know puppies oh squirmy and yeah playful and (laughs) don't want to sit still yeah yeah unless they're asleep sometimes like bored by the gender thing and just like i'm gonna take a nap in the middle of everything (laughs) happening y'all go and figure this you know i really really understand that definitely (laughs) uh what sound does your gender make it Okay, so (laughs) I'm very into mythology. And so I feel like the sound that my gender makes is the sound of a siren. And, you know, that's also because I really despise the patriarchy. (laughs) 
Wait, yeah. are you going to model what the siren sound is, or is it going to hurt people's ears? <laughs> it's gonna, it's gonna hurt. Do you I think I get as yeah, you can describe it more, but I think I get a sense of it as like piercing, yeah. Yeah. but piercing to some ears. Yes, but beautiful and like soothing to others. Yes, Fisher, does your does your gender make a sound? So I think my gender is sound wise, like really, really shy and does not talk. And then it's like karaoke time. And you're like, what? (laughs) Wow. Like you like knock it out of the park. You get up there and sing like the standard classic. And everyone in the audience is down. Everyone's clapping and like going along and like don't even realize that you're the one singing because they're all up and singing also. Yeah. Yeah. That is a vibe. (laughs) I am here for that vibe. Quiet and like I don't need to say anything. Or like, because there's also that like shock factor that I like about it. Like they're getting up to sing. They never talk. And then like you sneak in there and hit them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that answer. (laughs) That's a perfect answer. I have such and now I it's you say that you don't think about your gender too much, but you have some very succinct answers that explain yourself. Well, your questions ahead of time were very helpful. Yes. Because <laughs> I really don't think, I mean, I do think about my gender all the time, but not in these terms. <laughs> oh yeah. Who are your gender roots? So Newsies. Newsies. Yes. Obviously. That is so true, so true. for you. Yes, Totally. Specifically Spot Collins. I was going to ask which particular character. Yes. And I did some more, more delving. Yeah. Um, Willow from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. The queer, the like gay witch. Yeah. 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 So there's a lot in there that I think has been a little more subtle. And then last but not least... Care Bears. Care Bears is so true for you on yeah. so many levels. But like, and that's the like, not, you know, the other than human thing. Exactly. That's like, actually, they're like these soft, cuddly, super powerful, loving friend, you know, community is so important. Yeah. And there's so much caretaking. Yes. Care. Yes. What about you, Ocean? Do you have any gender roots, gender icons? I have a lot of gender icons. But my gender root is SpongeBob. <laughs> I've yes. never come clean about that. <laughs> it makes a lot of sense, though. How long have the two of you been a family? Just the two of you? Three years. Three and a half. Just when I think I get the timing right. It just, time keeps going. Yeah, just, that's so what it happens. just keeps adding on. Three yeah. and a half, so three and a half years. Do you mark that as the time that you were adopted officially? Or do you mark that as the time that you just like started living with Fisher? Because those are different, right? They are different. But I don't feel like, I feel like me personally, I feel like I don't, I don't acknowledge the difference between the two. Because um, I feel like when Fisher and I first met, it was like autom- like automatic connection, right? And then, you know, the day I got adopted, it was just legally known that, 
you know, this is my parent. Right. It's like, like the piece of paper that had to get signed. <laughs> yeah. Which I could care less about, <laughs> honestly. So yeah, I don't really differentiate between the two. Well, and I, I would say I differentiate the two only in terms of adding more celebration into our lives. That's <laughs> yeah, like our fam anniversary is when Ocean first arrived, like came to live with me. But then and you then... celebrate the adopt anniversary as well yes. because, because it's not? a why not celebrate things. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> definitely. And I I would also say for me at the time it was a really big deal because it was a really big deal to not have the state be involved in our life. Mm-hmm. And I, it was a really, really big deal as two queer trans folks to not have the state be involved in our life. You, do you mean, just to clarify, you mean when the adoption was finalized? That was when? Yes. Yeah. yeah, so prior to adoption, oh, Ocean this... was technically like, parent. I mean, parented is not the word that the state does. Right. <laughs> but, but that's what it was. Yeah, legally, Ocean's guardian was the state of Vermont. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not necessarily a thing that I feel like I'm like, ooh, that's the most important, like, valid. It's not a validating thing. It's a, like, liberating date. And I think it's very, very different for me now that you're over 18, Mm -hmm. right? Because also when Ocean was under the age of 18, being their, like, parent was a really important thing in terms of our own family autonomy. But now that Ocean is their own legal adult, it's, to me, very different. Thank you for clarifying all that. So where did you two meet? Camp Outright. So it's funny because I work for Camp Outright. I work for Outright Vermont. And, you know, I started working there because I met Fisher there. And... You know, I'm all I'm always talking about camp and everyone's like, oh my God, what's so great about Camp Outright? And I'm like, can we talk about how I met my parent at <laughs> queer camp? Can we talk <laughs> like you don't understand? Like Camp Outright literally changed my entire life. And it's funny because I was so against going. Like when my set of adoptive parent like the set of foster parents I was with were like oh you're going to queer camp I was like no I'm not (laughs) that's not happening (laughs) and then my foster father was like well we already signed you up so you're going and I was like god damn it fine and then Fisher was my cabin counselor and it was like, I don't even know how to describe it. It was like, in there was an instant bond. And I just, yeah, I feel like Outright is very, like, essential in our family and is very, like, essential in general for queer folks, especially queer youth. And, yeah, just, that's where I met Fisher. That's where my whole life changed. Fisher... I actually saw you in the days before Ocean moved in. You were, I think you even had to take a couple of phone calls when I was with you of like, or you were dealing with the state in some way. Yes. The thing (laughs) that was wild about that, and Ocean, I don't know how much, I can't remember how much I've told you about this, but when I came back from summer, from camp that summer, Ocean was like steady at that point with their foster family. And so I came back and was like, all right, by next summer, I want to be able to be a foster parent in case there's kids at 
camp that need a safer or like more better home, better fitted home. And I came back and there was actually in queer community here, a youth that needed a temporary place. So like a 20 day stay for the systems here. And because of all of the like legal paperwork to be at Outright, I was already well along the way of like fingerprinted and background check and all that kind of stuff. So I've been working with someone in town to be a temporary stay for a queer youth here. And so that was finally about to happen. It had been like almost a month of trying to get that to happen. And then during that was when I got the call from my friend who was the ED at Outright to be like, um, you love Ocean. Do you know anyone? Like, where can Ocean go? And I was like, uh, is it a bad idea to have them come here? And for a few days we were like, yeah, let's not have Ocean move all the way across the state. And then and then so that it ended up happening. Yeah. <laughs> so it was also a wild thing where I was like, I hate the state because right now I'm choosing between two queer youth who need like safer and better homes. And that is so shitty that like the need is so high and that I feel like I have to choose. And I remember lots of thinking because it wasn't until the day of when I talked to my friend that morning and was like, so, like, what'd y'all figure out without me? And they're like, didn't figure anything out. And I was like, literally had the phone, like, tucked in my shoulder. Like, I was making breakfast and was like, oh, well, I guess Ocean's coming to live here. And they're like, are you sure? I was like, I haven't had coffee yet. And if you ask me again, I will probably say no. So let's go with yes. <laughs> and then was like, I have seven hours to prepare. I guess I'm just wow. going to go to work. Because I like, there's nothing I can do. Like, I so Ocean was gonna come that night. Yeah, Ocean came that after that, wow. like afternoon. And the first thing that I dragged them to was a queer youth dance party. So there was a party, a dance party that was co-sponsored by the Root Social Justice Center, out in the open and outright. And it was a lot of youth from camp. So all of which were like, wait a second, what are you doing yeah. here? <laughs> you don't live down here. <laughs> so that was also in retrospect, like, you know, the most overwhelming. Very little crossed my mind. <laughs> I was like, feed the teenager, go be with teenagers, deal with everything someday. I mean, that whole day was... <laughs> Like, it was crazy from Fisher's end, and it was even crazier on mine. Yeah, do you want to talk about that? nobody told me where I was going. Wow. Like, none of my DCF workers, nobody told me where I was going. My white cis man of a DCF worker thought it would be a good idea to keep it a surprise. <laughs> Whereas, I'm having anxiety... <laughs> and we were in the car for three hours and I had a panic attack for two hours and I was like where am I going someone please tell me and then we pulled up to the house and Fisher comes out and I just start bawling <laughs> and I was like why why did this just happen and I very vividly remember holding my stuffed lion and was like so uh hi <laughs> and then 
I get upstairs, I get into the apartment, I go to my room, there's a red piece of paper that says, welcome, and on the back it said, let's drink lemonade and listen to Beyonce, <laughs> and I have it hanging up in my room, <laughs> now as we speak, and then I remember going to the dance party and being so freaked out, and then everyone was like, what are you doing here? I was like, well, I live here now. I mean, that story sounds really special. I don't think I knew the full extent of it from both of your sides. So thank you yeah, for sharing that. Definitely. It was crazy. That entire day was... When do you think it stopped being crazy? <laughs> when did it stop? Oh my God, it didn't. I know, has it? It No. It that was what I thought. No. Like, <laughs> Just in different different ways, right? I went to bed that night and had the craziest dreams I've ever had in my life. <laughs> and I woke up the next morning and the next morning I'm freaking out. I'm like, where the fuck? Who, where, who? <laughs> and then I was like, oh, okay. And I get out and Fisher's making breakfast and I'm like, love to cook. I was like, well, this is not what I was expecting. Because the first day I went to live with my last foster parents, they were eating takeout for breakfast. And Fisher's just over here making pancakes, making eggs. like, And I was like, what? <laughs> so it was a lot of things that you had to adjust to, not just. Definitely. Oh, yeah. And I'm still, so many. I'm still adjusting to so much. And it's been three and a half years. Same. And I'm just... <laughs> just, just to be clear, same. <laughs> Fisher, did you always want to be a parent? No, because I didn't know that you could be a parent without giving birth. So basically, in middle school, I learned a little bit of what fostering was. I was like, I learned that you could have kids and be a parent without being like biologically related and I was like that is awesome I'm super into that I'm not a baby person and so from that moment on I was like yep and then kind of like the older I got the more I was I got clear around like youth and teens as where I wanted to be engaging as a parent so the the two of you are in a family unit yes mm -hmm. yeah and you are your parent and kid yes who else is in your family outside of the parent and kid dynamic? The cat. <laughs> okay. After and the like, cat. I would say that's like the immediate circle. Yeah. And sure. Then, if we're in the immediate circle. We have a giant family. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> I can name like maybe 20 aunts and uncles that I have. And relatives. Yeah. And relatives. And these are people that you inherited via Fisher's family? Yep. Yeah. You also have this queer family that you've spoken of. Right. So there's that, that queer family is like its own familial unit within the constellation of our queer family. Mm -hmm. And then there's also my biological family. And then I would say there's Ocean's siblings. Mm -hmm. There's Ocean's siblings, adoptive families. Yeah. And then there's other parts of like Ocean's more biological-esque family. So there's a lot. So your family unit in the in the day-to-day -day is rather tight of just yeah. all of you. And then 
it kind of gets bigger as you branch out on the tree, Definitely. right? I would say the next, yeah, the next like circle is, woo. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Know? And I think it, it 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 moves right, like totally. It's shifted so much with COVID. You know, there was a lot of embracing the village. It takes a village concept, and you know, a lot of that for me was also around like race and class dynamics that are very different between the two of us. So making sure that as a white parent there were like ocean had access to folks of color and adults of color that were very close and also were queer friendly and, you know, like queer adult, queer adults of color as well as youth of color. And so that is like a piece of extension and also like class dynamics that are very different between the two of us. So there is also sort of like who is, who was my close queer family and then who moved into more central roles, like intentionally or not intentionally from Ocean and I being a family. The queer family piece of this, how did you come to be in that larger queer family? Well, Fisher already had them in their life for like many years. And then Fisher was like, here's my child. (laughs) I mean, sure. (laughs) I think... For me, like queer, there's two ways I use the term queer family personally. One is just like, boof, extended the queer family, like the sort of as encompassing as possible while still having that term mean something important. And then there's a crew that we do like some holidays together. And a few years ago, we started doing queer family dinners weekly. So there's also like queer family, capital Q, capital F, yep. queer family, or like queer yeah. family dinner, which is now turned to queer family brunch. And yeah. that's three, four, five different households, depending on how you define that kind of shit. So there's two. Yeah. So for me, there's queer family. That's this like specific entity that does this thing together. And then there's queer family of like relationships and care. Yeah, I'm interested in the fa- the family that does this thing together, right? Like your mm-hmm. weekly brunches or your weekly dinners that used to be. And I know that we're in the pandemic and it probably doesn't happen in the same way right now. But I'm curious what what you have learned being in that family dynamic. Wow. I've learned so much from that part of my family. Have you learned anything specific to your own gender? I'm like thinking so much about. I, do yeah. Can I answer a little bit while yeah, I'm you thinking? Can so, one of the ways that that dinner came about was it was a little bit before adoption and things were very hard. And I remember like asking question in like a joint therapy session, like, you know, it was like, what would be really helpful? And there was like three things that you like super brilliantly named. And one was, more time with queer family. So I reached out to a few close folks, who, like folks who were already like kind of in our own constellation and was like, uh, hey, would y'all be interested in like doing a regular thing? And in that queer family, there's already a sibling pair. And so they were already hanging out. They were already doing a weekly thing. And they were like, oh yeah, why don't y'all just join us? And it was so easy and embraced and like a while later I just remember something had to shift like somebody was like moving temporarily or something shifted and it was kind of like in question whether we were going to continue doing it as it was and everyone was like oh this is 
such an important part of my life now. Like this is so important and I get so much out of it. And so for me, one of the lessons that I can't say I've learned because <laughs> it will be a forever lesson, but just the ways that like reaching out and asking for help, strengthen, and, it, and then being able to accept it <laughs> when it's offered, strengthen the relationships. And there's a mutual, you know, mutually beneficial and mutually supportive relationship that was built from what me, you know, what from like my perspective of just like where I was in my parenting journey was kind of like still having a hard time asking for support in ways. And so it was really great to be like, wow, this thing that is so important to me and so helpful for me is actually really helpful for other people in different ways. The balance uh, and the like spread <laughs> of genders in our family is there's still yeah like a lot of thought that goes into how space is shared do you have any examples there's no one in our queer family that identifies as a cis man and there's lots of ranges of other genders and so i think for me just like thinking about where then like my location is in terms of things like being aware of how much space i take up or how often i think i'm right or what tasks around food and cleaning up are being done or not being done. And, you know, a lot of that space is food and kids and cleaning and sharing and stuff. So there's just like, you know, making sure we're, for me, I'm not like not doing things that are more on the femme or female spectrum of stereotypically gendered things. Ocean, do you feel aware of those dynamics when they're happening? I do. I feel like, I think I've, feel it more I felt it more when we were like meeting in person um especially because I ident like I am identified as male and I have a very serious awareness of toxic masculinity that I'm still working through um and you know it's something that I am always because we have a lot of trans feminine people in our family and you know, just also being very aware of like when I take up space or, you know, just watching how I say things that, you know, a lot of, you know, I feel like, I don't know, I was being asked about this the other day and, you know, someone was like, wow, I didn't think that, you know, you put that much thought into the people you're around. And I'm like, well, you know, that's being considerate and like... <laughs> It's like being, yeah, being a good person, yeah. being a, being also an aware person in the yeah. world. And yeah, just really like, I just want to like, I'm trying to be like very mindful that I'm like not stepping on toes or like, you know, not, you know, accidentally like making a situation that's like, oh, because I'm male, I'm right. Yeah, I guess I'm curious what being in a family with Fisher and then also being in your larger queer family, what you have learned about your own gender being in those dynamics. Well, when I first came to move in with, the, like when I first moved in with Fisher, I was identifying solely as a trans male. And then over the years, it has progressed to being more fluid you know, I still like very, I 
still heavily identify with the male aspect of myself, but I feel like it's not the only thing that I am now. And I think for me and like my gender, my gender has always been tied into my name and my name changes all the time. It was really freeing to be around people who accepted that and, you know, who weren't like, oh my God, again. (laughs) What prompts a name change for you? Something life-changing always changes my name. And I feel like it's not like life-changing to like other people, but it's like really huge in my life and like seems huge, like a big deal to me. I changed my name to Ocean. I changed my name as a symbol of grief. You know, I feel grief very deeply. And, you know, I feel a lot of emotions very deeply, but I have lost many important people in my life. And I kind of identify it as a well. You know, I feel emotions very strongly and very deeply because, you know, Scorpio. <laughs> I was going to ask. So thanks for clarifying. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyone was like guessing up until this moment. <laughs> and yeah, like my name for me is like, it's a symbol of how deep I, how deeply I feel emotions and it, it specifically revolves around the grief that I have and, you know, grief that I have not started working on until now. So do you think that your name gives you permission in a way to be more? Definitely. Like yeah. more yourself or more in touch with that part that you're yeah. talking about? Yeah, I think that's true for a lot of trans people that change their names, whether they do it once or they do it many times. I just, one of the things that Ocean said around, uh, this is like an honest moment for me as a as a queer parent, as a trans parent, of you being like, I could change my name and everyone was so accepting. It took me like a good two or three name changes to just start rolling with it. And there is like a lot of shame I held around like, I am a terrible, terrible queer trans person for not just like, you know, ah, every time it was like, okay. And now I feel totally like used to it and fine and great. And, you know, and I, and I think part of that was like, I was fielding a lot of other people's, as you mentioned, like not rolling with it, but there, there's an honest moment for me of like, it took me a minute to be like, Oh, this is how it's going to be. Okay, cool. Great. I'm going to build up that skill. Along the lines of this question, like my gender is is ocean, literally. And so for you to have chosen the name ocean, I feel, I just feel a real soft spot about that because I feel the most my gender at the ocean and the shape of my gender is an ocean wave mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the color of my gender is ocean. <laughs> so... Yes. I really, really like that. So I hope Ocean sticks around as a name, but I also respect when you're going to change it. So Fisher, I'm curious how your gender has changed being a parent and being in relationship with Ocean. Good. Yeah. I, I don't know how much like, my gender has changed 
what have you learned about your gender yeah. being in well, being a parent and being in relationship? I think the thing that has changed about my gender, the, I, I do have an answer to that, which is it has been on display so much more. What do you mean? Like being a genderqueer person as an individual soul self, sure. Being a genderqueer transparent in at all is like googly eyes and rainbows and unicorns and like that's never happened kind of bullshit. And then you add in a being a transparent of a trans kid and everyone is just like, what? Oh my God. You know, it's a lot. That's what people want to talk about. That there is a lot of stuff that's like, I'm, I also am a parent of a teenager. So I'm dealing with just all the teenager things and all the parent teenager dynamics. And like, yes, this is a very serious part of it and a huge piece of it. And also, so yeah, there's been, I think, weird tokenizing and pedestaling and like that didn't happen before in the way of like, it wasn't as unique. It feels like people feel like they found treasure. Ooh, this shiny object called a double trans family, you know, like, <laughs> like that aspect comes from often cis or non-queer community. Folks in in community are more like, how is that? Like, how you doing with that? Do you have other folks? Do you know this other family? Like, there's more of that understanding that is like, it's actually harder. Like, there's ways that it's amazing because we get to support each other in incredible ways. And it's like, we are two people dealing with a lot of gender bullshit at the same time. And like, when Ocean comes home, you would come home from high school and there's like gender Ugh. bullshit. And my job as a parent is to be completely hundred percent supportive on it and just like there for them. And then afterwards, like I process my own, like what that brings up for me in my childhood and how I can totally relate to it and what it like brings up for me now in terms of like, it sits in my body very differently than I imagine it would sit in someone's body who is not so close to the source. Um, so there's like those things that a lot of, in a lot of ways, like my gender has both been on a pedestal and taken a back seat because as a parent, it's always like about ocean first. Uh, and also just like learning a lot more about fluidity for me, just like permission to I am curious if there are any other things that you both want to talk about and or if there were questions that we didn't get to that you're you were excited to answer. Oh, I can talk about my favorite thing about gender. What's your favorite thing about gender? It's that I hate it. <laughs> no, I don't hate it. My favorite I hate how and I do use maybe I shouldn't use hate, but okay, let me back up. One Please. of my favorite things that I never talk about, that I rarely talk about is how I don't understand a like masculine, feminine, binary, and then the like, but if we just swirl these two together, then we like undid it. The idea, like when people are like talking about queerness or talking about transness or talking about like, you know, transcending the gender binary by taking a binary and creating like a swirl. And being like, you still are starting from this place. Do you identify with like a gender? Like feeling like you maybe don't have a gender 
at all? No, because there's like a way that I like to present myself. You know, like I have my hair cut in a certain way and I choose the clothes I wear and I engage in like mannerisms and, you know, voice patterns and how I move my body and what spaces I am in or not in. It's like if you were to be like, what's your favorite color? And I'd be like, well, polka dots. (laughs) Right. Like (laughs) to me, that's like how it often feels. Yeah. And I want to also like be very clear that that is what for me is really totally and and i and i want i want there to be the most amount of options thank you so much for taking this gender journey with us we'll be back this summer with new episodes for season two in the meantime please help us spread the word about how's your gender you can tell your friends to listen wherever they get their podcasts Follow us on Spotify, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, and leave a review to help boost our audience. How's Your Gender is a Flash Reads production, created and edited by Wesley Flash. Our producer is Oliver Slate Green. The theme song was composed and produced by Emily Bate with lyrical excellence by Charlie Pardon. For more podcast content, you can check out our Instagram at How's Your Gender or follow Wesley at Flash Reads. Thank you, as always, to all of our guests and listeners. Extra special forever thanks to all trans people everywhere across space and time. <laughs>